Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of our weekly podcast, Flats and Shanks. I'm David Flatman. I'm Tom Shanklin. All right, boy? Double bubble this week. I've got a sweat on. We put a video out on Sunday, which was a live podcast, which we did on Saturday morning with Joe Marler and Justin Marshall, but obviously that didn't cover the games at the weekend. That was pre-game, so because this is how much we think of you guys, you listeners, you men and women, you boys and, and children out there, we love you. And it's, you know, you can love people that you never met. Do you know what? You can love people too much. Yeah. Like me and Reg Reagan. I, yes. We. The reason I said I've got a sweat on is because we've just been laughing our pecks off um, at the best Reg Reagan's greatest hits. Now, Reg Reagan is Matthew Johns, the brother of Andrew Johns, rugby league, Australian rugby league legend. Red Reagan is the character that his brother Matthew Johns created for the TV, and it's just genius. If you don't know about it, go and watch it. I mean, I've just tweeted it, by the way, on my account. It's just genius. Brilliant, and we'll tweet that on the Flats and Shanks account, yeah. because for some reason there might be someone and some people that follow Flats and Shanks that don't follow us personally, which Will I don't get. But yeah, that Red Regan video. Oh man, how I good is that? I didn't like it. Yes, you did. I loved it. There you go. It's like a Simon Cowell answer for X Factor, isn't it? Yeah, you're good. You're good at that. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. It's so much fun. It's a bit like for those of you that are old enough, remember Dennis Pennis type of interview. Very stupid. He plays a a character in it, and it's just I had tears in my eyes. I mean, you'd never seen it before, and the problem was my makeup's I, running. I said, "Watch this. It's hilarious." And as soon as you do that, it's not funny anymore. But you still, even though I built it up like that, you still well crying. I still had. Tears ruining my makeup. I'm just desperate to do uh, one myself. How have you been, buddy? Hello, Bert. Yeah, not bad, Bert. Um, yeah, fine. Absolutely fine. Um, trucking around a bit. But it's most time of the year, though, isn't it? Yeah, most importantly, um, I had an evening at home last evening and I put my. dropped the kids off went to the in toilet. bed. All right. Did a poo in bed. Um, dropped, dropped the kids off in bed and then I went downstairs and over the course of a couple of hours, I 
applied almost an entire pot of uh, boot cream from Herring Shoes to my brown leather boots that I have had for about 10 years and that I've neglected recently and I've brought them back to life. They are reinvigorated and I'm disproportionately excited to be wearing them today. That's incredibly boring little story you've told there. So mate. I showed you, I mean, I've been looking forward to having a night at home for 10 days because I haven't had one. To clean your boots. To clean, to not to clean, well I clean them obviously, but to bring them back up and reinvigorate that leather. Because leather's just skin, you've got to treat it right. It's a terror story mate, bring us back up now with a good one, come on. Um, and then uh, this morning, um, this morning I saved a Labrador's life. Brilliant. That's in a better. swamp just outside Bradford and Avon. Great. Okay. Have you seen on BBC, it's on iPlay at the moment, it was a World War One documentary. Funny you say that. By Peter Jackson, who was the director of Lord of the Rings, a Kiwi himself. I've been around his house, actually, with Richard Hill. Have you? In the uh, no, but I've been told to download it and watch it, because apparently it's incredible, and I watch it on the train today. It's brilliant. Is it? Yes, because it starts off, and you. I, I'm not sure what format the the cameras were recording back in, like, 1917, 16. But, you know, it's quite fast, and mm. it's... It's not a, it's not a real time now, and it's black and white, obviously. But then there's a moment, probably about fifteen to twenty minutes into the film, where it just switches to color. You hear the voices. It's all slowed down. It's like it's like a movie. You know, it's like actors in it. You know, it's mm. it's incredible. It's so good. It's a must watch. It's about an hour and a half long, and that's on iPlayer, isn't it? Yeah, it's on iPlayer at the moment. Okay, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to blooming well watch it. Um, I've started watching the second series of Sinner. Okay. Did you watch the first series? Yes, I did. Really dark, enjoyed it. Darkness. Really enjoyed it. Uber dark. I think this one might be dark also. Only two episodes in, but it's it's full on dark chocolate boy. I like it though. And Michelle said we've got to watch a film called Truth on Netflix. So I've downloaded that in case. My train journey is an hour and a half long. I've downloaded 39 films and 90 episodes of things really? to watch. Dynasty I watched as well. Oh, how good. Um, yeah, but it was the BBC documentary on World War One is called They Shall Not Grow Old. That's right. My sister sent me a WhatsApp and said, you've got to watch this, homeboy. That's what she said. Yeah, but uh, Dynasty's is really good. There's a chimpanzee called Dave. Alpha oh, male. No, I, saw the, I saw some of it the other night. Yeah, David. All, uh, young, all, all the young the... ones try and... What was that Tosser called that tried to overturn him? What was his name? You can't. Um, it was Luther. Ooh, didn't like that geezer. Um, but they, they try to. But the thing is, boy, can't keep a good man down for long, can you? I used to, no, can't keep a good Dave down for long, can you? Look at Cameron, he's on his way back. But he gets back and he retakes leadership of... That wound on his leg. Holy yeah. moly. Tough old boy, man. But then I read in the Daily Mail, so it's got to be true, that Dave is now dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Why reading the Daily Mail? Uh, it was sometimes it comes up on my Twitter feed or social media feed. Yeah, don't do that. Facebook, I think. You don't need to do that. Mm. I do actually, having said that, I'm a complete hypocrite because I read their sport. I really like their sport. Um, it's like a lot of these papers. You can get political about which paper you read and don't read. Actually, our job is to read the sports sections. and <laughs> I, I, I read I read all <laughs> of them. I do read other, some other papers, some other stuff sometimes, but I read the sports page. I don't really care what paper the... Do you read the Sunday sport? Tommy... Who's your? Have you got a? 
David Flatman. Somebody asked who my favourite rugby writer was. David Flatman. Tommy, what you like? In, um, yeah. Have you got someone who you think... Even standard. Yeah. Have you got someone you would... Because people often say, I I never miss his column. I always read his column or her column. I don't have that, but I... No, not at all. I do have writers whose columns I enjoy the most. I'll be honest with you. I don't read papers. I don't. I read them online. I don't buy them. Mm. So it's sometimes quite difficult. I'll often... I subscribe to a couple of papers, though. Yeah. So I can read it on read it on my phone, but it's like buying a paper. I like the Times. I like the Telegraph. That's your... If I drop... I'm, I'm getting... Round that you're to, top two, yeah, fine, fine. You're getting around to what? But I obviously read the Wales online as well. Yeah, and Wales rugby online because I've got to keep up to date with a lot of rugby as well. Yeah, in in Wales mm. and the Pro 14, as well as keeping up to date with the Gallagher Premiership yeah. and internationals. Yeah, okay. This is all good stuff. Um, do you want my top three sports writers? Yep. Hit me. Um, in no, in no particular order, Jonathan Liu. Um, Paul Hayward, Stuart Barnes. Are you after some more work? No. As a journal? No. Okay, no. I'm not a journalist. Mm. Um, Yet. You sort of are, mate. Not really. But I I love I love Stuart Barnes' column. Always do. Love. Always love Jonathan Lewis, and always love Paul Hayward. That's why I picked those three. Clearly, that's why I picked them. All right. How have you been anyway? I'm fine. It's you I'm worried about. How was? Your Saturday after the live podcast in the Bear Pub in Twickenham, which, I mean, it's quite difficult sometimes for you listeners to, I suppose, properly enjoy it because it's better if you come. It's hard to recreate. Yeah, but I was at a... The atmosphere, listening to it with earphones on the tube. Yeah, but Monday night in City, I was hosting this eSports Awards. It's, it's a massive thing, so it's gamers, basically. But it's, I mean, that is, you think... Sports big like football and football's huge, but things like rugby, cricket, gaming is as big, if not bigger, than our sport and cricket put together. I mean, it's just huge, a whole other world. Anyway, I was hosting this awards, this and they they sort of broadcast it globally and all that sort of stuff. So it was really nice. But I was at this gamers award, didn't know anyone in the room um, except the event organisers, and there were I guess six hundred people in the room, something like that. And I had five people tap me on the shoulder. And say, listen to your pod. Marla was awesome. Justin Marshall was awesome. Really oh, liked it. So I think people it. do listen to it. Yeah, but we had to cut a lot of it out because I mean, we want you to come to. Oh, the did live you cut shows. some out? Did you? Yeah, we cut I've a little bit out. You know, we don't want to stitch the boys up. I was actually on the plane yesterday. I flew to Marseille yesterday. Uh, we did a quick, did a quick video with Brian Habana for the BBC, and that should be released later on this week. Um, but a guy sat next to me on a plane who was in commercial property. He was going out to Nice, I think. I wish I was in commercial property. And um, he was listening to the podcast. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. And it's, it's you know, it's nice that. And I didn't, I haven't listened to it yet. Because, I mean, I was there, so I know what you said. I know what we said. But um, you cutting bits out, it's an interesting one. I remember doing... Um, I mean, because a, a lot of it is, we're there with a live audience. We're there to make them laugh. Not all of it is appropriate for iTunes and podcasts, so that's why. Yeah, and we're not we're not doing that. I remember doing these supporters Q and A's when I was working at Bath after I stopped playing, and Gary Gold was our DOR, and he would always get up 150 supporters in the room, and he'd say things. It's first of all he'd say, right, I'm going to tell you something, which is confidential, okay? 
this confidential doesn't leave this room. And you know it's going to leave the room because there are people live tweeting it. Yeah. But he's doing it to try and make everyone feel like they're special, which is a nice idea. But actually, it just really pisses off everyone who's not there. Because it's like, well, we couldn't come because we've got jobs and whatever and there are no tickets left. So what we're not doing here, listeners, is saying, well, if you'd come, you'd have heard it all. We want these guests to come. We don't want... We are not about creating headlines and you know, do what you like in this game, but we are not about... So Joe Marler said, didn't say anything controversial, but he said some things during our pod, and so did Marshy, so did Shanks, and so did I, during our live pod, because it is a bit different when you're live, that if it came out, nobody would really care what Shanks and I said, but Marshy and Joe, people might care, and you can make a headline out of it, and, and they won't come back. A lot of it's tongue-in-cheek anyway. Yeah, and they, of course it's tongue-in-cheek, and they won't come back. So it's actually, we want to we want to protect them, and we want them... You know, so we're not cutting out all the juicy bits, but there are certain things that, do you know what, if it, if it said something seriously controversial, we'd, we might save him. But otherwise, if he's telling a joke and someone's going to take it out of context from a live show, we will bin that because we won't broadcast that. Well, Shanks does all the work, I don't. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, this, isn't, this is not about saying we know something you don't know, dear listener. It's actually like try and come to the events because then you'll get everything. Then. I didn't realise how much I go, um, after everything I say, um... I don't think you do on the podcast, but yeah, but because you listen to yourself, you're hypercritical of yourself. No one else noticed that. Oh yeah, massively. I was yesterday. This video popping out to Toulon just for the day sounds really glam, doesn't it? But it's not. It's knackering. Got up at quarter past four. Yeah. Got on a plane out from Heathrow. Yeah. Drove from Marseille to Toulon. Stad Mayal. 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 It's built on a car park and shopping centre. Yeah. Never knew that. I'd never been before. Met Brian Banner there. And unfortunately, you, you couldn't come. Habsy B. Because of work commitments. So I took Steve Spears with me. He's an actor. Big Al from Stella. He's been in Extras. Cemetery Junction, which is a film with Ricky Gervais. He plays a policeman in there. It's an incredibly funny film. Tucker's recently. His own show. Tucker's, yeah. Which has been commissioned for a, a series. That was a pilot episode. Yep. BBC have now commissioned it. So massive, massive news for him. He is one of the funniest men I've ever met in my whole life. Ah, oh, he was hilarious. He is hilarious. He's got funny bones. He had three poos in three different countries yesterday. Did he? Yeah. That's his diet, that That's is. That's a record. Yeah, well done to No, him. actually, if you can beat that record, uh, we want to know about it. Tweet us. He but is a was... very, very funny man. And I, <clears throat> and I was gutted to miss that, but I... England, Wales, and France, just by the way. Oh, there you go. But I, I pulled out um, because I basically had to do a thing with... I had to do. I mean, I did. Re- I kind of had to do it, but I did a, a Channel Five advert yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You contracted based on Channel Five down at Quinns, and yeah. we had Rob Shaw and Marla and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was great. But I was, I was sorry to miss that. I saw Brian at Twickenham on Saturday, and he said, "Ah, oh, see you next week." I said, "No, you won't, Chief. I'm out." I didn't tell him. No, I. No, I think it's my job was meant to tell him, and I forgot because you know how I forget stuff. He was wearing a lovely white Adidas polo shirt, Rigsy. skinny black jeans, and he'd not trained. He said in six months. Rigsy. Unbelievable. Yeah, but did you see him when he was playing? <clears throat> like, Shank sent me a yeah, video God, yesterday. Yeah, it's a smashing, mate. Yeah, he smashed to take his head off. Shank sent me a video yesterday of uh, Habsy B just in Unreal Nick. And he does look in Unreal Nick. But I remember doing a thing with him with Landrover and getting changed. It's not often, because you're around blokes with good in good nick all the time. And then by the time you're 40, it's gone. Um but while you're playing, everyone's in pretty good nick. And getting, he took his top off 
and he was absolutely huge. Like his chest and back and arms. I was like, oh my God, how does he move that so quick? He's, he was enormous, like his muscles. Every muscle is like superimposed. It's like it's been injected yeah, with yeah. silicone. just to Like an avatar. Beef it up a bit more. Mm. Are you saying Brian Habana's on steroids? No. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you just said he's a cheat and he's a match fixer and he's on steroids. Out today as well is a little video I did with WIU oh. with Lee Halfpenny. That is so class. So his name is Stephen Pound in this, Lee Halfpenny. It's actually Stephen Lee Halfpenny, so you can see the take on the name. Don't tell him what it is, though. Don't tell him what it is. Just tell him to watch, watch it. Watch it online. It's really good. It's probably the best I've ever seen Lee Halfpenny. You know, he's normally quite a quiet guy, but... He just comes out of his shell because I won't give away too much, but he's in he's in character. I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I just retweeted the. I'm gonna retweet it basically. It's really good. I mean, it's not spoiling because you see it, you see it at the start straight away. He's in makeup, and they're turning Lee into a really old man who gives a tour of the stadium, and people don't know that it's him. I'm telling him now. Yeah, well, it's you see it straight away on the video, but. You've got to watch it. It's really good. It's really clever. And he comes across brilliantly. I, I, having met Lee Halfpenny a few times, I would not have put more than a quid on him being able to act and be funny. I thought he's quite a chill, very quiet, focused guy. Lovely, lovely, warm bloke to be around, but not the sort of guy that comes alive in front of a camera, I always thought. And it's not that he comes alive. He underacts perfectly. Mate, he was brilliant, man. He's yeah. Brilliant. You couldn't have asked for a better player. And a better delivery yeah. in everything he said. So that was um, that was a bit fun. That's just been released now. We'll tweet about that. And here we are on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, watching Red Reagan, absolutely wetting ourselves, laughing at Big Reg. How was your weekend, apart from the rugby? Did you go down to, did Mate. you go the Premier, not the Premiership, it's the... Prem Cup. Prem Cup. Premiership Rugby Cup. Yeah, I did, boy. Um, oh, mate, I, we had a very early start on Saturday, didn't we, with a live pod. Then it was... Then it was um, the All Blacks game, which we'll talk about in a minute, and then I went out uh, to dinner with some with Matt Powell, who you know, and Cy Williams, who you know. Uh, you, no one else knows at home, but Matt Powell, ex Worcester Warriors, and some clients of theirs in Richmond. Stayed at the Bingham Hotel, which is very nice. Is that? Yeah, nice. Um, and then I was the next morning up to Coventry, boy, uh, up to Coventry to the Rico for the Wasp game for the Premiership Rugby Cup, and then back down to London that. Back down to London for Monday to host the esports thing. So um, busy, busy couple of days. And yesterday was being Tuesday, being a Channel Five advert with Mark with the Quins guys, and then here we are today. And as soon as we finish this pod, I'm back to London again. Strike while the iron is is lukewarm. That's the saying, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I w- got doing a pub quiz tonight. What you're hosting one? Hosting a pub quiz for yeah. Quilter. You'll do anything. You will. No, okay. they're a, a partner of ours, but yeah, they're I doing a, a press event. And actually, do you know what it is? It's a load of press that we all know, all the rugby right, loads of rugby writers are coming, and it's going to be a pub quiz, nice dinner and a few pints in a pub in London, and we call it work. So very, very lucky, really. Yeah, don't tell you misses that. I know, it's work, though. Uh, um, after the um, live pod, I went up to, on, Mon- on Saturday morning, I went up to Gaucho in Farringdon. Oh, yeah. Peter Scrivener was hosting sort of the rugby there. So, so you went into the city to watch the game? Yeah, so oh, nice one. Gaucho sell a package for people to come and watch the rugby in their restaurant in Farringdon. Scrivs, legend, he was hosting it. Really funny, really good. And did a Q&A with myself and Will Green. Pre, oh. Pre-game, half-time, and end of the game. Oh, Will Green. No one like him. 
<laughs> Wasp tight head prop, THP, crouch set bind, two, three, four. Crouch, touch, pause, engage. He listens to the pod, mate. He's really complimentary. And yeah. he's... You know, that, up... you, know, you know Green and I are great mates, don't yeah, you? Yeah, he's given yeah, up yeah. alcohol. What? Yeah, for I think three years, he said now. And I'd like to think that if I gave up alcohol, I would be in better shape than he was. <laughs> <laughs> he used to run. Just he used joking. to run all the time. Um, Just he's joking. a shuffler, though. He's a shuffler. He's a scuttler. Willie Green. He's a scuttler. Green. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a hell of a boy for lots oh, of reasons. Great form. He was on great form. Yeah, he and I do, we, we have debriefs every couple of months. We have a debrief and we go for breakfast somewhere nice and just debrief, talk it out and review a, review a couple of games and uh, crack on. Do you know what really made me laugh was um, Scriv's got a load of the customers to write in questions. So a couple of yeah. people were written down a bit of paper, some questions to ask about the game. And he goes, I've got one here from Victoria. There's quite a, a good looking girl with her family yeah. sat in a little booth and she mm. went, she was like, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't asked one. I haven't asked one. He goes, Victoria, yeah, Victoria there has got a question here. Who is the longest in the shower? <laughs> it's too just, easy. It just properly tickled me. Too easy. And she got all embarrassed. and uh, But it was good. And then I, I stayed, I actually stayed on. And it's Namdi Azuliki anyway. I stayed on and watched the Wales game after. A lot of people left, but there's probably about 10, 12 of us stayed and watched the, um, the Wales-Australia game. So... A lovely Saturday for me. Lovely Saturday. I've got train home. Do you know after the after the All Blacks game, I went to I got I was with um, HSBC, which is and was Anthony Watson, Nick Evans. I'm going to tell us which is a bank. No, it's re- it's a really good fun, and you do a debrief after the game, and pretty much everything Nick Evans said would happen happened because he knows his knows his onions. So then I I quickly got down to the Royal Oak Pub in Twickenham, where a mate of mine, Johnny Ellis, has hospitality on match days, yeah. and some of my buddies were in there. And went in and caught most of the Wales Australia game, and I, th- I thought I'd be a bit rugbyed out, but I was, I was honestly, and I can say this to you honestly, boy, I was pumped to frig um, with Wales winning that game. We didn't have the sound on; it was just silent TV with some music going. Pike Guinness standing in front of it, and I was properly pumped to see them win that. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Bigger, hard as nails. Really composed. Alan Wynn, Can you just stop? a rugby god. I mean, we're going into the rugby in a bit, mate. You're just jumping. All right, I'm just ship. saying I loved it. I'm just yeah, saying I well loved done. it. That's all. All right. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, we've had a break. Can we talk about uh, rugby now? Shall we start off with England, New Zealand? Yeah. My boy. Yeah. Pre-match, Nick Evans said, it's raining, that will benefit England. I said, why? And he said, because the All Blacks are not a huge rugby team. And he's right, they're not huge in terms of size. Okay. And, you know... So a bit they're, of, they're a pretty big team. They're a big team, but they're not, you're not, you know, they're not physically... Okay. Dom- hugely dominant. All the, you know, they're not... Um, it's not like playing against the French in the wet where they could pick a load of 140 kilo jobs. So that will help. Also... It can disrupt the line-out. How ironic. They disrupted England's line-out. But it can, the rain can play havoc with a line-out. So New Zealand rely heavily on the line-out. Um, a clean possession they get from there. And also means the back three just won't have as much purchase. You know, and they're so dangerous actually. And he was right. Really levelled it up. England started absolutely brilliantly. First kick-off, Retallick drops it. World's best player. Just my opinion. World's best player drops the ball from the first kick-off. England thought was... Change your tune now, are you? No, I think Tiger Furlong's brilliant. I mean, I. But well, you were just you were just last week and the week before saying he should be in nomination for IIB Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. So he's had a great was, year. Who is it then? Him or he's had a great year. Who is it? Him or? Um, well, there are lots of players who are in the running. I think in terms of all round, in terms of what they deliver in their key skills plus extra, I think Brodie Retallick on his day is the best player in the world. Okay, lad. Um. He hasn't necessarily had as stunning a year as Tyg Byrne, but he's been doing it for years, yep. and he's still doing it. So England started brilliantly, really, really precise, really good handling in the wet. Um, lovely vision from Ben Youngs. That that's how that ball over the top to Ashton. That is how you counteract an aggressive up and in defence. Beautiful catch him out over the top. Really, really nicely played by Youngs and finished. He was super quick at the breakdown. Mega quick getting that ball away. A bit like Gregan used to be, but like Aaron Smith is now. Um, super sharp. And the star performance of the day by a mile was Sam Underhill. And I've been saying for a while, lad, because people have called him mechanical. All he does is tackle. I watched him play for Ospreys quite a lot. Mm. And I used to see him carrying and carrying really well. And, all right, he doesn't carry perhaps as freely and as athletically as Tipperick in the open spaces, but I think he carries really well. Plays a couple of games for England and just as a hitman, and everyone says he doesn't carry. But he carries, and he carried really well. I thought he was absolutely superb. He's not sort of six foot four and certainly half stone, is he? So you're never going to have a, a big carry like that. But he's really powerful, and you don't have to be like a, a big bloke to carry really, really hard. Mm. I always remember, you know, like someone like Josh Lucy, right? You, I probably had a stone or half a stone on him, but he could carry just as hard. He was yeah. unbelievably hard to stop and tackle because he'd run his weight. He was incredibly powerful. And I mean, Underhill's, 
I look at him and the way he plays, it's I find it very similar to Warburton. Mm. You know, he's very good in the breakdown. Um he's he's very good on his feet, he's a good carrier. Probably doesn't have those subtle skills that sometimes you associate with a seven, but for what you know, for what you want from him, he's an game, ox. He is unbelievable. Doesn't seem to get tired. Tell he, you, he was he was nearly front of that kick chase line every single time. Yeah, leading it. Don't get tired. Wants to make tackles. My only issue is with him. If you're an England supporter or a rugby supporter, really, or a basketball, he gets injured a lot, and it's whether or not he can string a full season together. Without breaking down. Yeah, I think anyone who's writing off the Curry brothers at seven because they've seen Underhill play brilliantly, I think given if you're picking a first team tomorrow, Underhill's in it, but recent history says there's every chance he might get a knock leading into that World Cup and hopefully we're wrong and he's there. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, mm. But he's got great technique, but he tackles horizontally and that seems to you know knock him out every now and again well, or hurt every him every hit, now and again. Every hit, he wants to make an aggressive hit. But jeez, he hits hard, boy. I know. He I hits know. so hard. He's so aggressive. His neck. But even the try that was disallowed, which we'll get to in a bit, you know, that's that's instinctive play. A serious talent, that. Yeah, to be able to turn Bowden Barrett inside out, which he does. Barrett can defend too. Yeah, no, of course he can. He plays 15 a lot as well. Yeah. So, and that, and that's a that's a 15 tackle you have to make there. Yeah. But, um, you know, whether Bowden Barrett expected Underhill to sort of cut inside and thinking, right, you know, is, without, with all due respect, you know, he's not a back, so... Is he going to have the nails to cut back inside, then go back on the outside? But amazing. What not to do is turn your shoulders like that, so yeah. you get a blind spot. Always got to keep an eye on him. And do you know who else would have finished that against the odds? Gethin Jenkins would have finished that. He'd have scored that as well. Yeah. Um, uh, just in terms oh, of stats. Oh, by the way, quickly, you yeah. were talking about super strong guys, Josh Lucy, Underhill, whatever. Warburton, I, the strongest bloke pound for pound I remember tackling in a game. I played against him a couple of times. You'll have played against him quite a few times, which is what I'm going to ask you. Because if you're tackling someone like Stephen Ferris or the late Jonah or one of those guys or Isatola Marker, like you expect them to be freaky, freakily strong, mm. and they are. But Percy Montgomery, I tackled him a few times and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, no, I, I've i only played against him a handful of times. I can't remember him being incredibly... Me neither, I thought he was weak. Hard. So I remember Richard Hill saying that as well. That oh, did he? Yeah, he was really hard to tackle. But like someone like Jamie Noon was really tough mm. to tackle. Just solid. I remember um, playing against Danny Hipkiss before he came to Bath, and he when he when he got half a yard, he was so strong and low to the ground in such a strong fend. He was a nightmare. Yeah, right. But and anyway, go back to the game. Okay, um, New Zealand, sixty-three percent possession. Mm. You know they were. Um, territory that's sixty three percent as well. Mm. All the stats favour New Zealand, make more line breaks. Um it's not to say England couldn't have won the game, they probably should have won the game because South Africa, when they beat them in a rugby championship, I think they had thirty percent possession mm. territory. So but you know, yeah you've got to play well to beat the All Blacks. Mm. That's a given. You know, you have to play out of your skins really to beat the All Blacks. You're not going to mm. beat them by playing seventy to eight percent of your game. And you look at you know the last time England scored a point was around just under the thirty minute mark. Yep. In the game, to go fifty minutes without scoring a point against the world's best team that have been for sixty, seventy years. Yep. Consistently, is a big ask. And unfortunately, England didn't do that. 
Um, Damian McKenzie came into the game more in that second half as well. Uh, I think the first half, the kick chase was brilliant. I thought Ben Young's box kicks, Owen Farrell's kicks were just absolutely spot on. Mm. I mean, that was that was a big difference for me in the first half was mm. every single box kick that England put up. They weren't trying to play at all. They were just playing territorial rugby, low-risk rugby, but every single kick that Ben Young's put up was bang on the button. It either allowed wingers to jump in the air and tap the ball back or it allowed Underhill just to hit man and ball mm. and they did that and you know you thought after 20 minutes you thought this is it yeah England going to do it but no matter what happens you know All Blacks are down 15 points I think at one stage no matter what happens the All Blacks are always going to come back at you yeah you know Ireland found that out didn't they yeah a few years ago they don't get flustered if they're down by 15 points. They didn't score a point in the last 20, though. How often does that happen? Yeah, not very often. But that it was that type of game. Because the weather was so bad, because there was a lot of mistakes, balls getting turned over, and the last 20 gets really tight. And I suppose, we've always said this, if teams are in the game in the last 20 against the All Blacks, there's a chance because we know that someone like Bowden Barrett, his kick success rate isn't as high as other players. Mm-hmm. And we saw that a couple of times, especially against South Africa in the rugby championship. But it just, it wasn't to be, was it? The All Blacks hung on. Um, there's a disallowed try. What a try that would have been, though. What a try. He could have retired have Underhill, couldn't he, after that? I, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to your thoughts on the try, uh, disallowed try at the moment. But, I mean, there's instances that, that happens all around the game, which aren't highlighted because yeah. it doesn't lead to a try scoring opportunity or a, a try deemed yes or no. Now, because Underhill scores that try, the referee has to go back and he has to check everything to make sure yeah. it is legal. Now, just at the last minute, just at the last minute, the ruck is extended a little bit further back because a Kiwi leg comes out and extends the rucks. Therefore, the offside line is probably half a metre further back. Yeah. As he does that, it's all this happens all simultaneously. As he does that, Courtney Laws is just offside, just before the ball is picked up. Piranara picks the ball up. You're talking split seconds, but in terms of the law, unfortunately for me, that is offside. Yep. And it's a shame because you hate to see games decided on small margins. TMO. And mm. decisions like this. <sighs> You know, had there been no TMO, that you know, 100% would have been given a try. Yeah. I think the argument that, well, if you go back, that's happened 100 times in the game is... But it hasn't led to tries. Which yeah, is, they, they haven't been key moments. And actually, if you, it's just like every breakdown. You could penalise something every, every 10 seconds in a game of rugby, but there would be no game. So if you're talking about key moments um, of the game, you know, so if someone's 6 inches or 12, you know, 8 inches offside... 20 minutes in and it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever then who cares um, it's almost like if a, if a line out throw isn't exactly straight but the opposition don't go up anyway and you're on the halfway line I'm all in favour of letting it go or the scrum falls over and you don't quite know which way it's gone but the ball's at the back just play it's no yep. different so I think it was a key moment um, and it, this is this is split opinion I think it's very very tough for England I felt like it was offside but a, lo- a lot of the time it's about the picture you paint for the ref that's what the refs talk about and if you just look at the picture itself 
you know, you've got Chris Harris, the presenter of Top Gear, and um, I call him one of my best friends. Met him once, um, but we tweet each other every now and again because I'm a car nerd. And if he replies, it like makes my year. He replied to a, te- a tweet I sent about it, and he said, "Unfortunately for Courtney, he just looks like his legs are a bit too long. The bloke's legs are too long." And it, weirdly, that's kind of it. It's like the picture the refs looking at is a, lo- a straight line of England players, and Courtney has stepped out of that line, and he's a big man in a white shirt. He's hard to miss. And it's just the picture you paint is why is he why has he promoted himself a foot further forward than everyone else? That doesn't mean he's offside, but it's the sort of picture that makes referees question themselves and think, can we award this? So he wasn't offside. No, I think he was. Okay, I, I thought he was offside. I thought it was the right decision, but also it's just the picture it paints. Yeah, it's, it's like, like someone who sprints out the line defensively. They look offside. They look offside. Yeah. But they're not offside. But in this case, he was offside. So yeah. So it's kind of it, if if every if every England player had been on level with Courtney, mm. I bet you he wouldn't have been done for offside. It would be a lot less likely. But because he was ahead of all of his teammates, yeah, you know. clearly um, the England lineout didn't function that well in the second half. I think mostly because of Geordie Barrett coming on. Do you agree with that? Um, I do, and I don't. It's partly to do with that. I, think I mean, they that, lost five lineouts. Yeah, so I think, um, firstly, everyone's blaming Jamie George, and that isn't where it's at for me. I'm not about uh, protecting certain people. No, not at all, because sometimes the throw is bang on. It's just the lift or the movement. Doesn't so, always, you know, it's the throw is a small component of the entire line-out. What I'd say is, they come on, pretty soon after he comes on, he's asked to throw to the tail, and it was teeming with rain. Mm. He's asked to throw to the tail, nails it. He nails it because along with Dylan Hartley, he's about as good as it gets at the top level as a thrower. He is brilliant at throwing. So, because it's so awful, I think, and he doesn't decide where the ball goes. So, he is told where the ball's going. A line-out caller, Cruz calls it, and then Ewells comes on and calls it when he replaces Cruz. Marrow doesn't call the line-outs. Marrow does what he's told, so does Jamie. So, you have an expert calling. Very, very hard job at test level against a good defence. Retallick effectively just goes up at the front and says, get over me, I'm nine feet tall. Bit of timing involved, not much. He's going straight up and winning ball. Yule's calling the ball to himself, gets up gets up really nice and sharp, wins it in the middle, but then they take the safe option. Let's go Saracen to Saracen, know each other inside out. But you are against... You're, what you're doing is making it very, very simple for the defence. So the error for me... Ben Kay did a piece in the Times about it, really, yeah. really interesting. But yes, the New Zealanders were committing your defence, but you'd, first of all, we don't want to be relying on referees you know, in, the, in, in the game. We don't want to be relying on referees. You don't want to leave it to the ref. It's repeatedly calling it to the place where it's getting nicked, which was frustrating me most when I watched it. I'm thinking, chuck it somewhere else. If you've got an average thrower who's a great player but not a brilliant thrower, then you can take it easy on him. And, you know, a caller like Steve Borthwick, he would ask, you know, John Humphreys, who was a good thrower but not as good as Lee Mears, John Humphreys would probably have to make fewer throws to the tail than Lee Mears because Mears, he could nail everything. Yeah. But that's the way it goes. Now, you know, I think I think the calling was not, was overly sympathetic. You don't need to be sympathetic to Jamie George because despite what happened at the weekend, he is a world-class thrower of the ball under pressure. I mean, he's done it in massive games. So I think they should have taken a few more risks, chuck it to the middle or back more. I mean, I think we saw how good a New Zealand team they are with their attack as well, mind. I mean, they were relentless attacking. They played far more rugby than England tried to play. And you look at... In that weather too. Yeah, I know. Like New Zealand, 46 defenders beaten, 14 clean breaks to England's five clean breaks, five defenders beaten. New Zealand, yep. 10 offloads. 
England attempted to make nearly 100 more tackles than New Zealand. They had a 76% defence rate, which is pretty low, yep. especially in those conditions. Yep. Because when the rain comes down, that's when you can really put pressure on teams about blitzing them. England were at 76%, down. you say. Yeah. Um, whilst New Zealand were 86%. England, seven penalties as well. Yeah. In the breakdown, New Zealand, four. Under so, pressure. I mean, often... And more often or not, the stats agree with the scoreline. And sometimes it doesn't happen. But in this case, you know, New Zealand just dominated the stats. Yeah, and England missed a lot of tackles. Missed 23 in the first half. Mm. Um, but I think when you're defending that aggressively, you're, that's too many. That's way, that's way too many to miss. However, you're going to miss more when your defence is that um, aggressive and, and it, the line speed's that strong. And Owen Farrell missed a lot of tackles. There's people talking about it now. Uh, I know JB on um, from the Egg Chasers has been uh, trying to get as many people to talk about it as he can to set the agenda. He thinks he's a political lobbyist. Um, he is now. Well done, JB. But I think I I just don't see as big a problem with Farrell's defence as everyone else does because I think while he does fly up and miss a few, he the hit he put on Kieran Reid, what it means is he's firstly not a soft option for attackers. So people don't think they're just going to make ground through, our, through England's 10, which is valuable, I think. But also... What he often does is force people to change their plans. And if you've got T.O. one side of you, Underhill the other, that is often, might count as a missed tackle, that is often really handy because you are disrupting the opposition but attack. You do, you do analysis before games and you look at areas in which you can attack people. Now, you would not say that that 10 channel is an easy option no. against other international teams. It is So then you have to try and work out other ways to attack. So, look, I agree with you. Um, it's like saying that... I don't know, like a prop or a, a forward around Ruckham Mall misses a couple of tackles, they slip off a tackle, gets nailed by the next man. Yeah. You know, those tackles don't you know, cause try scoring or, or clean breaks. So yeah. you know, it's it's very subjective. Yeah. And when you when you look at missed tackles, I mean yeah. a winger's missed tackles are gonna be far more serious than a prop's missed tackles, potentially yeah, generally, because yeah. often if a winger or an outside center or fifteen misses a tackle that's going to lead to a, a clean line break and potentially a try. Yeah, and forwards are around traffic. And so he's often missing, Farrell's missing tackles in heavy traffic and forcing attackers to run into his mates. So I, I kind of think, I don't think there's a bigger problem there. So England, Japan this week? Yeah, should paste them really. Eddie Jones said he's going flat out and he wants to hammer them and whatever, yeah. he should paste them really. And you reckon they're going to put the full strength team out? I think they'll go pretty close to it. Um, like a couple of guys might start, like guys like Charlie Yules might start. Yes. Um, I'd like to see Zach Mercer start, but don't think he will. Also, it's easy to say, nice to see someone start. I, I, I do think that more top nations should follow New Zealand's example by just giving being ruthless with rotation and giving people games, because then you get to World Cups and big tournaments and you've got more depth. But Espe- got- Especially around this time of year, where the World Cup's next year. Yep. You need... It's about feeling comfortable as well playing yeah. international rugby in front of 70,000, isn't it? It's a bit different to playing in front of 10,000 at your club. Yeah. It's the whole... And it's only something that you become comfortable with the more you do and the more experience you get. So it's fixing problems under yeah. increased pressure. I, I personally would start with Yules in the second row, with Marrow or Cruz, I don't really mind who, but I would start with Zach Mercer at eight, Mark Wilson at six and Underhill at but seven. But it also depends, Flats, on where you are as a team as well you know if you've had a couple of bad losses or you're not quite sure what your best combinations are then often these games are a good you know to try and build those those partnerships across the field yeah um someone like new zealand you know they win nearly all of their games so it's, it's a lot easier for them to swap people in and out mm. whilst 
a lot of teams have confidence issues and you know want to build a little bit of momentum. Mm. Um, but but you remember when Freddie Burns made that, that couple of howlers the other week against Toulouse? Yeah, I would on that. And I said I would pick him first name in the team sheet for the next week. The first person I pick, I don't think Jamie George did have a shocker, but he's been criticised heavily. He will not have enjoyed that second half. I'd pick him for this when week. When was the last time England beat New Zealand? 2014. Okay. Freddie Burns comes off the bench. Yep. And yeah. he has a Brilliant. massive impact. Huge. It was on in one of the, in Gaucho before the main game. And I was yep. watching it. I, I totally forgot that he came off the bench. But what a cameo appearance he Brilliant, made. Brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah absolutely brilliant you know it's quite easy for people to forget that as well yeah um, so then after the England game we had Wales-Australia 10 years since the last time Wales beat Australia 13 games and most of these games have come within a score difference mm. really last minute last sort of three or four minutes and the roof was closed the weather was pretty poor as we saw at Twickenham and the roof was closed you had Gareth Anscombe at 10 um, you had Foley at 10, Falau was playing, John Davis was playing, George North, um, Karevi. So quality throughout that back line, really creative as well. And he thought, right, this is going to be this is going to be the tri-fest. This is going to be an unbelievable game. You know, conditions were great. But as it panned out, my friend, 9-6. Mm. Classic. Classic. Wales don't care, though. No, they don't. Three all, half-time. Amazing. Wow. When was the last time that happened in a test in the dry? Yes, I know. But there was no real go forward in that game. So both teams are trying to play quite attacking rugby, quite wide rugby, trying to get the wide chance as you would yeah. with the personnel that you've picked. Yeah. I mean, Wales didn't have any massive ball carriers to really dent through the middle of the Aussies and, and similarly with Australia. So it was just a battle of the breakdown. Like Tipperick was really good at the breakdown as mm. well, as were Pocock and Hooper. So Hooper? Yeah. So there wasn't really much room out there. Hocock. Hocock. Anyway. Um, and again, you know, you, you refer back to stats because I, I like looking at the stats after games to see possession, missed tackles, and they pretty much make 50-50. There's possession was 53-47 to 47 in favour to Australia. Territory, 51-49. Super from tight. hand. Yeah, everything really. Clean breaks, both had eight. Defenders being quite... Similarly, Australia probably had a few more offloads, but Rucks won. The reality is turnovers it, the same, thirteen and fourteen. It probably wasn't a brilliant game, but it was a it was a magnificent occasion. But what was you know? what was a you know there's a fifty minutes right there's a penalty kickable penalty, and Hooper decides to go for the corner. Mm. Australia don't convert. That's a three points gone. Lee Halfpenny misses two kicks. One was probably a 70 percenter. Or 30-40% of that he probably should have got. One was in front of the posts, which never, ever happens. Yeah. And he misses it. Yeah. And he, he'll he be devastated with himself. He then gets an HIA. He does a charge yeah. down. I think it might... Be, I can't remember who it is. Karevi. And Karevi, I think so. It, yeah. Jumps up. It was Karevi, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you saying about that? He's entitled to charge the ball down, mate. He's entitled to jump in the air and try and charge the ball down because that happens so many times mm. what I would say is that you do have to be careful is if you are doing that I don't think you should be able to turn your body then because you turn your body you're bracing yourself a little bit and a kicker when he's kicked the ball is is left 
in vulnerable. a vulnerable position. Mm. And he does turn his, his body to brace himself, and there is a connection, and subsequently you lose Lee Halfpenny. So you're entitled to it, but I think you have to be really careful about once you have charged a ball down, your body shape going into that contact, I think. So for me, it was, for me, it was a penalty, yes. I agree. I don't think it was a yellow card. But the bench for Wales was loaded, and we've not seen that too mm. many times before. We've, you know, Often there's a quality 15 that goes out on the field, but you know, you're not bringing on like for like from the bench. But yeah. in this instance, you were. And you have to take your hat off to Dan Bigger coming off the bench. I think it was his second touch or third touch. He has to nail a fairly difficult kick. Yeah to put them in front at 77 minute mark and you know Australia just scored a penalty there from Matt Tamua which was unbelievable kick as well yeah but big match big match players bigger bigger yeah he comes off the bench and just nails it and that shows you the the quality and the mental toughness he has yeah I love that that brings that team yeah so it's just a pleasing game and result was way more important than performance because Wales have played so many good games against Australia and lost in the last minute. I don't think it mattered about performance. And I know coaches say, oh, well, you know, we have to perform. You know, if we get the performance right, we'll win. That was out the window. The result had to happen, especially because it has been such a long time since Wales have won and Australia being in Wales' pool for the World Cup. Yeah, really important. Right, one word answer from you. Mm-hmm. In terms of pure entertainment and excitement value, who would you want to be the starting 10 at the World Cup for Wales? One word. I really like Patchell at 10. It's not one word, is it? No, because it's not... You can't give a simple question, an answer to that question because form is is key at the moment. You know, I think if everyone was on form, all 10s on form, I think... Patchell is the most devastating 10 Wales have but not always is everyone on form um, at the moment right now I would say Gareth Anscombe is Wales's best 10 at the moment attacking wise but we know the game isn't just about attacking we know it's defensive as well it's a, it's defensive kicks where Bigger is, is certainly I think better um, in his positional kicking um, and defensively but when it's that close I tend to go with more of the attacking option and for me Anscombe at the moment is probably Wales' best time okay okay yeah fine mate um, Ireland Ireland played Argentina um, classic yeah it was a pretty decent game but a good hit out for Ireland considering who they've got this weekend it's all about this weekend well done for beating Argentina who are a bona fide good side now but they are they, they've massive improvement in Argentina you know you look at the tour last year where Wales beat them pretty well then Scotland absolutely hammered them mm. you know they've, they've drawn it back they've brought it back you know they've beaten I think they beat Australia in the rugby championship I think they beat South Africa as well you know don't hold me to that but I'm trying to remember but a pretty decent win yeah good and if if it rains this weekend in Dublin who does that benefit because it rains a lot in New Zealand you know yeah I'm wondering whether or not they'll look at the weather and and then sort of decide who they want to play in that way because someone like Bundyaki 
would be yeah. far better yeah. in the wet conditions. And he's had another great season so far at Connaught. Um, he had a very good game at the weekend. There's there's so much more to his game than just a power running game. Yeah. He's got some really, really subtle offloads as well. He's got a good passing game. He's tough robust, guy to play against. Robust in defence, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, often, you know, players can run through arms. Yeah. You know, and that's what you're taught to do. You know, you run at chest, you're gonna get tackled hard, but you look at arms, that's your target. But if you run into his arm Yeah, it's a punchy arm that the clamp comes on. Yeah, it's like um And he scores a try at the weekend, which Dale is really McIntosh's good. arm. Yeah. He just cuts back inside, the space opens up, scores a, a nice try. But I mean Argentina did do pretty well. Yeah, um, they look pretty good in attack. Yeah, a good team. And when they when they're they lovely for the World Cup, they'll be great. I yeah, they're lovely bust through the middle, trying to play that wraparound move. And often you look at that the ten coming around the back of the outside centre, but he hits the outside centre, goes through the hole. Eventually they score. Mm. So you know Ireland were cut a couple of times attacking wise, but this I suppose is this is team one, team two in order. Let's do it. This weekend, international rugby yeah. in Ireland has to favour Ireland. It's just it's going to be it's the game of the weekend. Do you make me. Ireland favourites? No, I don't. Think you, can, you can never make Ireland favourites against New Zealand. Um, okay. I think New Zealand will take a lot of confidence from that win against England, and rightly so because England were phenomenal. I thought found for a that way. first half, but yeah. yeah, they found a way. They did what it took to win. It did. That. No one remembers the score. You know. Yeah. No one's going to remember, oh, well, you know, we only lost them by a point. You know, you, they beat them by New Zealand. That's it. Yeah. But Agreed. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. I cannot wait for Ireland, New Zealand this weekend. I'll be blooming watching that on my telly, Tom. Wales, Tonga. Be very interesting. It's Wednesday now. I'm sure the team's going to be announced tomorrow. Be very interesting to see what Wales do. I think they'll have to look at a couple of different options. Maybe Owen Watkins. I think Reese Patchell. Potentially is in the mix of playing 10 as well. I think Garth Hanscom might be resting. He played the first two games. Um, I hope they continue with Josh Adams because he was brilliant. I thought he was great. Just carried so well. Hear what Gatlin said, by the way. The next job's to get him back to Wales. Yeah. Worcester won't like hearing that, will they? No, they won't. But that's That's the game. And it's a it's a good it's a good law to have a good ruling to have because we want the best players playing in Wales. We want the league to be thriving. We want the attendances to come in. You know, teams and regions don't have massive budget to, or a pool of players to pick from. So I think it's key that he comes back. If he comes back, that's a great sign that he wants to really cement his position in that team. And, you know, he kept out Liam Williams as well. I know. Which, he's scored two hat-tricks this year already for, for Saracen. So and he's class. He is class. <laughs> but, you know, you, you can't drop Josh Adams on that performance. I no. thought he was really good. No. Um, solid as well big bloke but carries the ball really well not afraid of contact not afraid of being aggressive in defence in attack good under the high ball with bags of pace yeah good on him I like watching him lovely to watch we get to watch him every week which is nice yeah oh by the way going to see Hoggy every week well we do anyway but Stuart Hogg signing for Chiefs just before we sign off um, if he stays fit what a signing mm. what does, a signing he, he does stay fit though he's not he doesn't break down that often. All players get injured, but yeah, he's not. I'm not saying that because I think he breaks down a lot. It's just anyone you pay massive dough yeah. to, you just think, please don't get injured. It's the worst thing for a player as well. You turn oh, to yeah. a new club. You want to make an impact. You want players to like you. You want to start playing the games. You want that 
camaraderie and the worst thing was to get injured because yeah. then you just twist your ankle and physios. take your money for nothing yeah but yeah I mean Roy Lawson gives a, a really good answer on Five Live Five it? Live yeah just about you know what what Stuart Hogg wants as a player I mean it's it's important for his family that's what Roy Lawson's saying it's important that he goes to a club where they have a great morale yeah um, a great culture which You've certainly got Exeter, and you know they challenge the the Gallagher Premiership very regularly. They're one of the best teams there, but they've not quite gone to the next step of Europe. But I mm-hmm. think with someone like Stuart Hogg there, you know he's going to—he's one of their marquee players. He's a worldie. He's going to be absolutely fantastic for him in a great culture yeah. with a great coach and a great team. Lovely signing. Three cheers for Hoggy. Three cheers for Hogmeister General. Um, right, that's it, boy. Should we yeah. go home? Yeah, let's go home. Um, sorry the pod's a little bit late, but yeah, we're just... We're Busy, isn't it? Charity work? International. That's what we are. We're global. Prestige worldwide. Worldwide. Wide, wide. See ya. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.